Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection. <laughs> and inevitably, you just can't stand that the book that she recommended. That is us. Mm-hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, inviting magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. Mm. You can keep your elves and space operas. Mm. Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would have never picked up on her own. (laughs) I feel like you're falling back to last month. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Even a book that isn't entirely your style might have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see. Do you want to do the spoiler alert? Yeah. Okay. Um, It's not, well, I should tell them what we read. We read Empire Falls by Richard Rousseau, Mm -hmm. and it is a chunk of a book. Mm, Okay, wait, I can can validate that. Yeah. I have the print copy right in front of me. Mm -hmm. It. I'm going to say it's 800 or so pages. That is drastic overestimation. Is it? Uh, 483. It's twice. Oh, not twice. Did you, how long was the audio for it? Um, I don't remember. It was a a lot of. It was a chunk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this was. A big book. I don't think it's the biggest one we've ever read, though. Okay. Memoirs of Cleopatra, maybe. That one was okay. extra. All right. Okay. All right. Um, but we're going to talk about the whole darn thing, mm-hmm. all 483 pages of it. So <laughs> we're going to include the ending and any magical twists, but there are no magical twists because this is reality, sister. And if you haven't read Empire Falls yet and you'd like to read it before you hear us talk about it, stop now and join us after you have read or listened to it. So I, I desperately want to insinuate that there are magical twists. I just, like, maybe. Where would they be? Well, I have already thought about this, actually. Okay. So maybe there's a river, the mm-hmm. Knox River, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the characters in here dammed up part of it so that right. the garbage that people threw over a bridge wouldn't stink up his front yard and property. Right. So what I have envisioned is that over time, a trash monster has developed mm-hmm. and eventually rampages around the town. Alternatively, if that's just too much for you. No, I like it, but go ahead. Uh, okay. I'm, I, I have a pen. I'm going to jot this moment <laughs> down. Um, alternatively, if the trash monster scenario is not everyone's cup of tea, mm-hmm. um, still river themed. Sure. And, you know, the spirit of the river mm-hmm. is really unhappy. They dumped dye into it over mm-hmm. the years from these factories. Mm-hmm. People are abusing it. And so at the bottom of a low point in the river, you find a gap between the worlds. And Okay, now my pe- head hurts. People who are good and just and don't mess up Mother Nature can slip away and do a whole other world full of wonderful things and environmentally friendly yeah, people. that's a different book. You liked the magic trash monster better? Sure, because that's actually reality. Uh, that's... <laughs> Accurate. Um, I guess if I were pressed, I would have to say that there are no documented correct magical twists and turns in this book. Correct. Sadly. It is. And in fact, I was thinking about the aspect. So it's about small time, small town life. <laughs> small time life. Small time life <laughs> in Middle Maine mm-hmm. in probably the 80s. Um, yeah. And there are funny things in it like. 
long-distance telephone calls, which I feel like I'm going to have to explain to you, but we'll get there when we get if there. If you hold your hand up with your pinky uh-huh. and your thumb out and you put it to your mouth and your ear, uh-huh. once upon a time, that was that, a phone That was a phone call. That's Correct. how you symbolize you're making a phone call. And if you shook your hand, uh-huh. then you were far out and on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so small-time Maine. Um, and it's uh, it follows the life of Miles Roby, who is... <clears throat> Uh, sort of an unwilling grill operator. Um, okay. He he got stuck there. Yeah. It was never his dream, Mm-mm. but he's making the best of it, and he's unwillingly divorcing his wife, <clears throat> and he adores his daughter, and his brother has started working with him, and they've never had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And so he's sort of hapless, and stuff happens to him, and he's mm-hmm. a little bit of a victim, although I don't think he has a victim mentality no. so much. He's a, he's a good guy. He's just kind of washed away in the currents, right? Absolutely. If we continue the river metaphor, metaphor but, go but for without it. a gap in, right. you know, the magical in the world business. or a trash monster, he just did not have a lot of, I don't know, I want to say backbone, but that's not it. Because like he would stand up for himself when he needed to. He just kind of let life smack him around. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And he, flexible to a fault, maybe. Yes. Um, and I think almost like content to a fault, where he just mm-hmm. wouldn't stop to poke stuff. Yep. He would never stir anything up. Um, and I think it's an interesting discussion of revenge, because there's a lot of bad things that happen in here. So this is what mm-hmm. I like about Richard Russo's writing. Um, this is the second book that I've made you read by mm-hmm. him. The we other one was Straight, Straight Man. Man. And this one was written right after Straight Man. Oh. And it won the Pulitzer for fiction. And, did um, it really? It did. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. And Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward bought the rights to it and made an HBO movie. And it was fabulous. And the funny thing about that, so Paul Newman. Is from the cookies, right? Well, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so old. <laughs> Paul Newman was like the most beautiful man who ever existed for most of life. And then he developed a salad dressing company well, called Newman's Own. I mean, sure. I'm not going to debate that because yeah, I, don't. I don't have any facts to debate you with. Yeah. I am aware of him from the cookies. <laughs> okay. I have to leave this behind because otherwise I'm going to fall apart. Um but he is the most beautiful man in the whole history of the world. And okay. so he always got cast in these love roles. And, and he mm-hmm. just had this devilish smile and was very appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always wanted to be the jerk. But because he he was too good looking, he would never get those. Did he get to play the dad? Yes. Ah, okay. He bought the rights yeah. so that he could play <laughs> Max Roby, who was a despicable, gross person. And he oh, had, I actually kind of like the dad. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that I love about yeah. Richard Russo is that even the people who are the most – like he's a de- total degenerate. He and is, But he, he called himself Sempty. Like, <laughs> he couldn't say the full word I 70. am 70 now. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm Sempty. Sempty. Yeah. That, right. that was endearing. And he didn't mind when things stayed in his beard like no. egg yolk. Uh, that's for later. Don't 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 be mad about him for snacks. Right. That's ecologically conscious. And he had no problem stealing from his sons. I mean, it's like $10. he had no problem. He had no problem hijacking a priest, a senile mm. priest, and taking him down to Key West. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there were some things about he had no problem having affairs on his wife and leaving for months at a time. Yeah, I mean, he made the best of life. 
<laughs> no conscience. No, no. And that's why that's who Paul Newman wanted to play. So I just find that adorable. Um, yeah, that's pretty nice. So was it a movie or a miniseries? Because I thought it was long. I yeah. had watched it, but when I was trying to look up stuff about this, it seemed long. It was long. Okay. And and I, I can't remember. I think it was <clears throat> it was way back in the in the days of video cassettes. And I think it was two. So I don't know if it was a miniseries. I don't know how it came out. But it was an HBO okay. special that's, in some concept. It's a lot of tape. Agreed. It's a lot of tape. So um, Richard Russo typically does small town New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a little bit of a departure because he goes up a little a little, uh, a little further north. north. Yep. Um, but it's always uh, working class folks who um, are doing the best they can do and – the situation isn't necessarily very kind to them. What I love about his writing is that he is very sympathetic to his characters. Mm-hmm. And so even the ones that are just, you just want <clears throat> to shake them, mm-hmm. have redeeming qualities. And you go, oh, that's why they're such a jerk, because X, Y, or Z happened to them. Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> Maybe you don't do that. No. I do that. <laughs> so I, like I said, I've got the print book here. Uh-huh. And at least at the time this version was published, he lived with his family in Maine. Right. Um, and I don't remember when we talked about the original book, Straight Man, because that was years ago now. If he, like, originally lived in New York and that's why he wrote based in New York. And then when he moved, he shifted his kind of locational perspective. Maybe. But that's interesting. I think yeah. a lot of people, like, the genres that I like to read, people are purposefully like, we lived in a castle on right. top of a mountain covered in snow that you could only land by Pegasus, right? <laughs> so you're not usually going to. That not, was so easy for you. <laughs> they're always ready. <laughs> Trash monster stories. They're ready to go. Um, so many of the authors that I kind of religiously read maybe don't pull as much of their place settings from their actual lives. Yeah. Yeah. And many of the ones that you've selected, him included, they do that, right? Yeah. You're, you're pulling from the natural world around you and the experiences that you've had. I, I didn't, like, dislike this book. I'm, I'm not I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. even trying to be mean on this one because, like, Straight Man was okay, too. Um it, it was difficult for me to get through mm-hmm. because it was so depressing. Okay. It was just so sad. So, you know, the whole point of this book is this little microcosm of a small time or a small— See, I got you saying it now, too. I can't even remember what the real state <laughs> Town. Was. Small town. It's always going to be small time now. Good. So you're living in a small time town life. <laughs> time of town. And even from the start, right, so— they're, this book is set up mostly in the present day for them, but with mm-hmm. flashbacks interspersed. And it starts with flashbacks, and it ends with – almost ends with a flashback. And the the way that they set up this book to start is around like a town forefather, mm-hmm. C.B. Whiting. 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 Mm-hmm. And he just made me sad. So he's this guy – He's seen his dad and his grandpa get sucked into these marriages where they're desperately unhappy. Wait, wait. You have to say it right, Jessica. You can't. Mm. It's said too many times to ignore it that their goal in life was to kill their wives with a shovel. That was one of them. <laughs> his name was Horace. I don't think both of them wanted to kill him with a shovel. I think both of them. I must have blocked that out. Yeah. So either they are desperately unhappy with their spouse or they are so desperately unhappy that they are fantasizing about offing them and so this guy you start off with and he's like you know i'm gonna go backpack through europe 
My dad's a little free with the money. I'm going to go live in Mexico sure. for however amount of time. I'm going to write poetry. I'm going to live my life on the beach. I have enough money. I'm good. I'll just hang. Right. And then the minute his dad is like pulling the purse strings, he's like, well, I guess I got to go back and fulfill my destiny to be sadly married in a town that I hate that is dying. And go get myself a shovel so I can that was the first get ready ten pages for, for my wife. And <laughs> you know, I, it was just a lot. So I am delighted that you brought this up because one of the things, as I was re-listening to this, mm. this book makes me ridiculously happy. <laughs> and so I was thinking I to myself. So the thing that's so interesting <laughs> to me is you and I have very, very similar values, mm? and we have very similar ethics. Mm? And outlook on life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to books, like I th- thunk back to <laughs> um, what was it? Uh, the T.J. Klune book, mm-hmm. The House in the Cerulean Sea, oh, yes. which I thought was unbelievably depressing. Oh, and I so found good. it so sad. I was so oh, emotionally good. drained and sad. And you found it oh, uplifting. I did. And, if, and this book has incredibly sad elements yes. to it. And horrific uh-huh. elements, uh, yes, truly horrific mm-hmm. elements to it. And yet, there's something about his writing that that just speaks to me in a way that shows me the resilience of mankind and humankind, and the ability to see the good even when it's trying to hide itself. Sure. And so, for whatever reason, that makes me so happy. But I, Mm-mm. so talk about like, do you have any, any? retort to my observation that you found the house in the Cerulean Sea uplifting and I thought it was super depressing and then we switched on this one. I mean I really want to talk about TJ Klune books now. Is that <laughs> No. Can I do that? No. I've, I've read several of them recently. <laughs> can, there's a, an amazing one that is a take on Pinocchio but it's switched between the people and the robots. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I don't Oh okay we gotta talk about this other book that is not the book that I actually want to talk about. Correct. Now. So I don't I I read most of this. I will say I skimmed some of it. Sure. I, it's very long. I ran out of time, and that was bad on me. And I started reading this early this time. I started on five days ago, <gasps> which is really long for that me. very long. Um, and so there are some places where I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about the river. Got yep. it. Oh, yep. nobody likes that house. Yeah. People yeah. stuff, people stuff, people stuff. Go. But majoritively, got it. There were interesting characters in this book, right? Mm-hmm. So the daughter, mm-hmm. Tick, 16-ish, um, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, so personified like this aspect of teenagerdom that I was yes. like, oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And his daughter was her age when he wrote this. Yeah. So y- you duh. can see. Yes, yes, of course it was. And the stories that she told before you got towards the end of the book yeah. were um, fine. They yeah. were like, okay, yes, it's hard being a teenager. Right. Yes. And the relationship between the daughter, Tick, and the ex-wife, Janine, was interesting. Um, You know, she had recently lost a lot of weight. She Mm -hmm. had started to exercise, which is then when she decided she was going to have an affair and then divorce her husband to marry this guy she had an affair with, and then it doesn't work out. But the mom loses all this weight because she's just not happy in her body, and she wants to feel good about herself, and then the daughter stops eating. Right. And I could I could certainly see the reality in that type of situation. Um, I didn't like it. Sure. Because that's that's a really hard place to be in. Yeah. And I, I guess 
I guess I see your point that there were certainly storylines and aspects in here where you could see like when you got to the end of the story, which I did not like, by the way. Oh, it was awful. I did not For like sure. the ending. No, that part. I know we're not going to we're doing spoilers things, but right. I did not like the end. The, oh, the okay. very, very end. I okay. thought that was not a good ending. But, um, you know, you've got all these little storylines and some of them are really interesting, like the dad. And it was OK that he never had a culmination of his journey. Uh huh. But like, if I think about the house at the um, the house in the Cerulean Sea, it had it had like a, a beginning, and then it had a climax, and then you had an ending, and the ending was one where you should you should be able to read it and see, okay, I see the arc, I see the progression, they get a good ending mm-hmm. because they are good people, right? And they did good things, right? And I like that, right? I, I like that it was it was hard and it was grim. And then you got there. They persevered and they won there. Yes. Yeah. So at the end of this one, towards the end, um, small caution alert just in case people are uncomfortable. There, There is gun violence in this yep. book. Uh, one of the teens in Tick's class who has been incredibly abused by his parents comes in. And, and his schoolmates. Yes. Uh, comes in and shoots several of his classmates and a teacher. Uh, Tick and her dad leave. And they go to Martha's Vineyard to kind of recuperate. That's awful. Mm-hmm. It's also, unfortunately, uh, reality sure. in, in our nation. The part that I had a really hard time with with this was you get to the end of the book and you've got another flashback and then you get to the, the end. And the dad, <clears throat> Miles, has been only communicating with his brother. They're in this little house that their friends own mm-hmm. and they're recuperating. And he has this like epiphany. Journey, mental journey where he's talking kind of with his the guy that his mom had an affair with that was actually the guy that you read at the beginning of the story that was the forefather of this town. And he decides it's time to go back to Empire Falls. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I guess, but why? Mm. Like, throughout the beginning and middle of this book, he's unhappy He's kind of stuck. He's floating along. He's doing whatever life gives him. And then they have this opportunity mm-hmm. to start fresh in some place that they both love. And instead they decide to go back. And then the end of the book is kind of an insert where the lady that kept him there all these years dies because the river floods up. <laughs> and then she and a cat are floating along the river. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. That was not an ending that I was like, oh, wow. I feel really good about all their journeys. So that is very interesting to me because to me – one of the things that Miles, the main character, mm-hmm. recognizes very late in the book. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's not a quick learner. This one, he has to be hit over the head with a skillet to get stuff. There was one. Okay, there was one piece in here that was kind of interesting, where somebody had said at one point that Miles and his is either Miles or his brother and his dad, or Miles and his wife and his daughter. They all had this very distinct personality segment, and then all together they're like a full person. Right, and I don't remember right, which one right, of the two it was, right. but I was like, that's unfortunate. But I think it's true. It is true, right? yes. And so they feed off each other mm-hmm. in not necessarily in a good way, which I think is true in mm-hmm. family dynamics. And so the way that I read that that p- portion that you described mm-hmm. <clears throat> was that really late in the game, Miles realized that – Martha's Vineyard wasn't the place he loved. It was the place his mom loved. Mm-hmm. And so there was nothing to love there. And Empire Falls, actually, now that he had he had switched 
um, workplaces and now owned his own workplace. Mm -hmm. He was the big boss of him and wasn't under Mrs. Whiting's thumb anymore. To me, it was, I'm now choosing to go back. I don't have to go back Mm -hmm. because the people that I love and that are important to me are there. So to me, it was like a a happy, not a happy realization, but a like, oh, wow, I had more than I thought realization. I I can get halfway there on that. (laughs) Fair enough. I can. Like, yes, there are reasons to go back. There are also reasons not to go back. Oh, sure. And to start fresh. And even though a portion of that Martha's Vineyard was his mom's, a portion was his and his daughters, too, who would Mm. vacation there every summer. Yeah, that's true. And really close to the end, he's finally having a conversation with his ex-wife. And you're like two pages away from the end of the book at this point. Yep. And throughout the whole book, right, she's been – she had an affair. Yep. She's leaving him. Her relationship with her daughter is shattered. Yep. And at the end, you know, he's – I'm coming back. I'm going to be my man, whatever. She's like, well, you know, Walt, the silver fox guy, he's back in his own house now. (laughs) I've gained all the way back. Right. Don't tell me anything about it. He was like, oh, well, why would I say anything? Right. And the insinuation is they're just going to move back in and everything's going to be back the way it was. I hate that. So, okay, so that was that's interesting that that was your take on yeah. it, too, because um, he says the part I loved about mm-hmm. that exchange was he says after she says, I gained all the weight back, mm-hmm. don't say anything about yeah. it. He says, oh, I lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. And he lost the weight because yeah. out of, you know, worry yep. and concern and, you know, yep. it was not a healthy way to lose mm-hmm. the weight. And she, because she's so self-absorbed, mm-hmm. says, oh, you're just doing that to make me feel worse. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't just do something. It has to be. Yes. To, and that's how Janine was uh-huh. throughout the whole book. So I loved that that stayed Mm-mm. the same. She just didn't learn anything. No, she didn't. But he's going to go back. But we don't know that. But, yeah. I mean, it's, okay, it's strongly implied. Yes. But we don't know. We don't. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, and maybe part of it is. You know, the individual overlay that we put on things, right? So if this is a small-time book. Small-time. Small-time small time book. <laughs> right. Um, with a big story and lots of big personalities, um, I, I don't personally want to live there. This is Got not, it. I yeah. don't want to live in a small town. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's because I have never done that. Mm-hmm. I have always lived in larger cities or suburban areas, like metropolitans. The idea of having the option mm-hmm. to not go back to a place where you have felt trapped yeah. for your entire life and then – at the very end of the story, going, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Got, I have enough options now. Right. I, right. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I I was struck all over again with the writing. Um, writing was great. I love the writing. And yeah. just a couple, I want to read a couple of the things that just poked me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> few <laughs> social situations were improved by Max Roby's participation, but this was one of them. Yeah. He was talking to the Silver Fox, and he did not want to talk to him because yeah. he was uh, – Walt was always just trying to, you know, one-up him. Of because course he was. he was trying to show that let's I stole arm, your wife. Let's arm wrestle. Let's arm wrestle. I'm yeah. going to show you what a man I am. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the book, he breaks arm, his arm, and, you know, yep. it's kind of funny. But um, And then this just spoke to me in the same way that Straight Man did because – Straight man, to me, was all about the dysfunction of the workplace. (laughs) Yeah. And the quote was, contemplation is like sitting on a committee that seldom made recommendations and was ignored when it did. A committee that lacked even the authority to disband. (laughs) And it's just the futility of life. And you're just going to sit there and, you know, think about all this stuff that you have absolutely no control over. And then nothing happens. And and you can never leave. Right. This is... (laughs) This is like that play where 
the underworld is other people. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. I'll say that. Um, I, his writing is absolutely great. I, I'm not going to argue with that. He's got great use of, of phrasing, and he's got a wonderful vocabulary, mm-hmm. and his timing was really great. Yeah. I just, it made me sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, okay, so in addition to Max, the dad, yes. who was very amusing. Yes. Um, in the first, I don't know, quarter of the book, not even that much. Um, there is a character who's only minimally in the book because it's in the flashbacks for C.B. Whiting. Mm-hmm. And it's his dad or his grandpa, mm-hmm. oh. Horace. And Forrest, Horace has just mighty flatulence. Yes. So I loved that they included fart jokes mm-hmm. sure. in this Pulitzer-winning book. <laughs> and then, in fact, one of them was him laying on his side and his flatulence was so incredible, it lifted his entire body <laughs> off of his bed and set it back down gently. Like that was so I got that in the beginning and you then know? it just like kept going sad town and there was no there were no more fart jokes. So <laughs> Yeah, so there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. One, of, one of the other things that that I didn't get the first time or two even that I listened to the book was that Grace the Mom is sort of universally mm-hmm regarded as this really wonderful woman that everybody looks up to. She's nice. She's pious. Mm-mm. She's well, so you're making a face, but everyone in the book oh, talks okay. about Grace Roby as being beautiful and, you know, kind, she has her stuff gentle, together, all this giving, kind of stuff. Yeah. But she is terrible to her younger son. Mm-hmm. And so I find that to be a really like and Miles idolizes his mom. Of course. And that is the chasm between Miles and his brother David because David had a very different experience with their mom. Yeah. And so I think it's just – I love those kinds of – you know, he doesn't hammer you over the head with it. But you realize, oh, yeah, you can live in the same family and have a radically different experience. Absolutely. And her life changed. Sure. In a way that she didn't anticipate. She thought she was going to run away with her lover and have this new life. And then she found out she was pregnant with her second child, and that was not happening. And so she held it against him. Well, but the real reason, I think the real reason that is even more interesting Mm -hmm. is that he didn't, he was going to leave his daughter behind, Uh and she could not be with somebody who would leave their Their child child. behind. And again, that makes you think, oh, she's this pious, wonderful person, but then she basically leaves her child behind emotionally. Yeah. To, to care for his child. Yep. So it was a very tangled, interesting, like I like that kind of, um, it's not all black or all white, yeah. but people are very complicated yes. and you still like them to some degree, um, but you, you know, they make you cringe. Humanity is exactly what it is. It's messy. It sure is. <laughs> um, I will give this book a solid, I read it, I, wow, there's a, I an endorsement. Probably not do it again, <laughs> but I acknowledge that he is an excellent writer, even if the content was not what I was looking for. Fair enough. I think that's a solid. Yeah. So what do you? How are you going to punish me? I'm actually not. What? I. It's not the season of giving yet. Okay. For, for my household, mm-hmm. but it is the spooky season for me. Oh, true. And I like that time of year. So I am giving you a gift in my book. Yeah. You're welcome in advance. So we're going to read *The Maid* by Nita. N-I-T-A. Nita, not Nina. Prose. P-R-O-S-E. And this is not a science fiction book, and it is not a fantasy book, and it is not a romance book. So I bet you're thinking, 
then what is it? How did this land in my book stack? Correct. Um, I thought the cover was adorable. Okay. I saw it on one of our library shelves, and I thought, that's interesting looking. So you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but we all do it anyway. So um, bright carmine red, and in the middle of the current version that I read, which is hardback, there is a keyhole Mm -hmm. cutout. And through the keyhole, you can see the graphic image of what looks like a traditional maid's outfit running with one foot lifted up. I don't know. I like yeah. that. So it's um, it's like a bottle mystery. You know, like, um, oh, gosh, I'm not even remembering now. Like, everyone's stuck in the same room or you're stuck oh, in a yeah, train yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. nobody can leave. Yep. It's a mystery like that where okay. all the components are enclosed and you have to figure it out. Okay. And our protagonist in this book is a delightful young lady who uh, – thinks a little differently okay. than maybe the majority of her colleagues or friends. Um, she just wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. And she loves her job. She loves the structure. She loves the cleanliness. She loves the orderliness. Uh, she was real mad when she found a dead person in one of her rooms because that's not clean. Sure. Yeah. And that messed up her day. But then she gets tagged as a suspect because she is just a little bit different. Um, it's delightful. I hope you enjoy it. It sounds like I will. And yeah. I think I already agree with her that one dead person in your room can totally ruin your whole day. Agreed. Oh my God, we agreed. Well, okay, we got to end this podcast. We right got to stop right Done. now. Done. Thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What. <laughs> Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when we will be discussing The Maid by Nita Prose. Thank you and keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs>